Hello, everyone. Once again, we're back to talk for significantly longer than the running length of the thing that we watched. Um, that it is, it's not even close anymore. We've just exploded <laughs> past things. There's no, it's not even worth comparing anymore. Don't listen to our show if you haven't watched this show because you will probably get more enjoyment out of the show. Although we're going to get more enjoyment out of talking about this than the show, even though we really liked the show. So, yeah. Um, uh, you might get to pick up on every detail of the show just by listening to us. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is a fair point. If you prefer to watch your television by listening to it only, then you should definitely listen to this instead of watching the show. Yeah. Because uh, we got you, fam. We got you. Um, Impress your friends without ever having to watch a single episode of anime. <laughs> It's just background noise. You can tune out for like an hour and still understand what happened in the episode. Yeah. That's, that is correct. That's correct. Um, but yes, yeah, so welcome once again. Welcome back to Galactic History 101, where this week we're looking at the next part chronicled in the anime Legend of the Galactic Heroes. The episode, The Actress Exits, that's hard to say right next to each other, it turns out. Uh, the Actress Exits. Actress Exits. Is exits actress ex the actress exits. Uh, I'm Mick. I'm from Atlanta, and uh, I have been heavily drinking light beers for the last week uh, for various reasons. Um, so, Molly, tell us a little about yourself. Hi, I'm Molly again. I'm the classic shoujo connoisseur from the Pittsburgh region. Welcome back. I'm Matt. Uh... I literally finished episode 12 about a minute before this started, uh, so forgive me if my memory is not that uh, great today. <laughs> it's all kind of a blur. I haven't had time to reflect. It's going to be fresh, okay? And don't worry, we'll focus on every beat yeah, for way no, too long. So. Oh, yeah. Catch me up. No problem. <laughs> Well, I'm Kevin, and I'm going to date this podcast by saying I plan on seeing New Mutants in the Drive-In on Sunday. Do you really? Hey, yeah. nice. uh, my name's Alan. Uh, I'm old now, and I've got a tiki glass. Nice. Nice. What is the tiki glass? Is it like a themed tiki glass, or is it just yeah. a tiki glass? Yeah, it's like a... Tiki theme class. Okay. <laughs> That's the theme. Come so, on. So, you know, like Mondo makes like themed tikis. For, like, there's like, they've made really? an alien tiki. They've made uh, uh, various. Yeah, they're like Funko That's... Pops. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Mondo anymore. They kind of blow now that they are doing more than just posters and. Heavily everything that's not posters. Anyway, together, together we form much like Voltron um, or uh, your favorite other uh, mech anime that involves multiple mechs joining together to make a bigger mech. The Sad Boy Yang Gang. Um, each of us contributes some amount of tears to our our poor sad boy's <laughs> eyes, um, which we love staring into getting lost and going swimming, much like your uh, local swimming pool. Uh, since or we can't go out anymore during COVID, this is this is what we found to uh, to fill our our lives. Uh, a large eyes on a sad boy. Uh, anyway, so yeah, 
the first episode we watched is an Empire episode, The Actress Exits, and also essentially a uh, subplot of The Three Musketeers as a episode of this show. <laughs> essentially, uh, uh, it's really good stuff, actually. Uh, very, very court drama heavy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So I guess... Unless anyone else has something to say before we start here. I just want to say that I wish more people in this podcast had seen Rose of Versailles. Because <laughs> this, <laughs> this episode made me very, very excited. And I feel like it's come up in the majority of our podcast. Yeah. yeah. And I feel obligated almost to yeah. start watching it. You guys day. could... There's like one up. I could just give you guys one episode as like a homework assignment, maybe. <laughs> you know, they're only 20 minutes long. I think I have it all downloaded. Okay. But yes, if if the Three Musketeers and Rose of Versailles do not give you the vibe here, uh, they should because that's the vibe of this episode. <laughs> it is a uh, uh, Victorian era drama in a noble court land. Wait. I guess Victorian maybe pre-Victorian, pre-Victorian, mm-hmm. but you know, Victorian like <laughs> as a vibe covers a lot more than just Victorian. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yes, the particular era was a certain time, and yet the vibe persists. The French court was much sexier than Victorian era times, but true. But you're right that there is some overlap. I would say, other than that, yes. Um. Yes, and speaking of sexy and perhaps taboo sex-related things, um, we start with Oof. Frederick IV's history with women since he has become the Kaiser. Um, I wrote on here, he's the 36th Kaiser, don't you know? Because <laughs> they've told us like 17 times at this point just a lot of things about this Kaiser. And yet, and yet here we go again. This is a dive into the Kaiser's debauchery. Mm-hmm. Um, the narrator here is is letting us know, and I I really like this scene because it's like everything's shown in paintings. Mm-hmm. So one, uh, my statement from the last episode of every painting is of uh, Kaiser Rudolph is no longer true because we get like twenty paintings of Frederick here uh, with various women, and the narrator is telling us that the empire is already showing decay, and I'm not sure if he meant there was decay even before Frederick took the throne or if it was since Frederick's taken the throne because he doesn't give a fuck about governing. He has let this thing fall into decay and it only took one or 30 something years or something. (laughs) But anyway, wasn't a hundred percent sure what he meant. Uh, And in his mid forties, he started to want companionship. Uh, His, his first main squeeze here was Marquise Benamon. Benamund, Benamund. Suzanne. Well, it's it's not pronounced correctly, but it's like Pinamunda, because it's based off because it's based off of a German town that's Pinamunda. Okay, Benamunda. Yeah, Benamunda. Is that right? Well, Benamunda, but that's not in the anime. They just call her like. Benamunda or something like that. Well, it, yeah. it was very, it's very Kierkeis is <laughs> Kierkeis or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how to say his name for real because I just hear Kierkeis all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, way more syllables than are actually in there. Binamunde, 
Binamunda. Binamunda was uh, was Frederick's main squeeze for a bit. We don't hear about any other women, but I assume there were a lot of other women that just didn't rise to court level uh, here before. Um, but then suddenly, one day, on a street corner, an imperial staffer saw Anna Rose at 15 years old, which is bad uh yeah. i assume that staffer's job was to find young women for him i just uh, i why the fuck else would an imperial staffer be looking at random women you know it like it right anyway. you don't look at women and be like hey that'd be a good woman for my boss oh, yeah. right you know, i can think of one person that did that he's in jail now <laughs> yes exactly and that was her job <laughs> that's what i'm saying here this has got to be this guy's job yeah. you know and and it just turns out that frederick liked her so much that um she got elevated here it's pretty fucked up so that's what happened to anna rose ha huh? i think we already knew this from the flashback episode but uh uh reconfirmed by the narrator here um even still the paintings i think are pretty good of of like anna rose and she looks like really skeeved out in the painting with her with Anne friedrich right there yeah and like she is like not fucking happy to be there and i'm like understandable girl understandable i like that the artist captured her as a tin set like you know zero yeah. attempt to make her look even slightly yeah. happy or even just neutral like not sad right you know? right it's like she's miserable you know i, I draw what i see guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we then we kind of get this shot of this opera house and we're in an opera house which immediately immediately brought questions into my mind of just how many fucking nobles there must be here because this is a really goddamn big opera house, like the, the, enormous, just, and it's full. <laughs> <laughs> There's not an empty seat in the damn house. E even if we include like the merchant class here, right, as going to this opera, this is, I didn't know their town was this fucking big. You only ever see the big mansions and like nobody in them. <laughs> Anyway, well, they're sending 30 million people out to war, so true. I think yes. population density is an issue. Slow, slow your roll, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, they're an empire, so maybe a bunch of planets were like they have their own noble population, and they're like, well, maybe we want to go to this planet where the emperor is and like watch a play. Right. I mean, the idea of the rich people being the only ones who can change planets, and especially if they're just going for a play. Totally fair. Big ass opera house. Uh, only the rich nobles are the ones who can move planets and come to this. But does that mean this is like a big event opera? Like, again, it, it. I just, I can't help but dive down these dumb fucking questions, but I love them so much. How, why the fuck are there so many people at this opera that the emperor doesn't even give a fuck about either? He's just, he's there. I also felt like his seat was not the most ideal seat in the house. And if anyone was going to have the most ideal seat in the house, I feel like it would be the damn emperor of this empire. But they, they seemed like they were on the side. They were both turned like this. 
they were really far back too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. far. Like if they were really close, so they were like, you know, they're still in the balcony seats, obviously, because they're the emperor, right? But um, if they were closer, like okay, I could, I could see the head turn is okay because then you're right there. But you know, they're like, they're like thirty boxes back. It's like what the fuck? I mean. He doesn't really seem to be enjoying himself anyway. Yeah, so. I mean, True. he's definitely just given Anna Rose a creepy leer, and it makes me uncomfortable to look at it. He actually just gets another box seat back every year. He's been the Kaiser <laughs> and, like, just doesn't care. Just to see if anyone notices. Right. <laughs> every year he leaves early, he gets a worse seat next year. <laughs> um... To switch to fashion for a second here, Anna Rose is dressed way fancier than we've ever seen her to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, she's got... Uh, also, Frederick has a brooch on his ascot, which felt, like, really weird to me. I was very confused by pinning a brooch to your ascot. Just... It, it was like, oh, okay. Anyway, so Anna Rose has her hairs all done up. She's got a head jewel necklace thing, which I... A diadem. A diadem, thank you. Uh, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Is this a thing that exists in the real world? Uh, apparently so. I wrote a yeah a cloth collar, like a, a goth choker collar on. <laughs> and a, fr- a fancy frilly blue dress is what I wrote here. Again, this is very different from the majority of her um, garb in the show to date, uh, which I thought was an interesting point. You only hear the opera during this, uh, which, you know, it sounds like an opera, I guess. Uh, I, I can't judge opera quality. Uh, I thought, I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and you see, like, one or two scenes on the of the opera, of the people in the opera. Uh, nothing close, though. They don't even have the, like, opera goggles, even though they're far, very far from this. But then Frederick kind of like whispers into Anna Rose's ear and they get up and they leave. And then they start down the steepest stairs that have ever existed in time or animation or life. Um, If you guys didn't notice how steep these stairs were, it's like when they first start going down them, they are insane. It was worrisome. I was legit kind of concerned about Friedrich with his cane. Seriously, they're so fucking steep. (laughs) That's how far back their seats were. Yeah. (laughs) The stairs, like, they were in the nosebleeds. (laughs) They start going down these extremely steep stairs, which, again, they're really steep, to be clear. There's a reason we started talking about this. Um, uh, But then a lady runs out of the opera and she starts yelling, Your Majesty! She's wearing red, which is, as we all know, the natural enemy to blue. This is obviously Susanna Binamunda and um, Frederick. Frederick, every time he sees Susanna in this episode, is just like the slowest moving, like, what's happening? He turns around and he says, Susanna? And then he turns back around and just keeps going down the stairs, doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) This is getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but Anna Rose's, like, inability to say shit during any of these scenes where Susanna is like yelling at the emperor or at her does not help her cause. I feel like, you know, she has a lot of views about good hearts and stuff. And then also here we are with 
she's not speaking up during this point. She doesn't talk to the emperor about this later. You know, like, I'm sure if she said something to him, he would do something. Would he, though? I. She doesn't yeah. have a lot of power in this situation. Fair, fair. Well, well, she doesn't even try to do anything, though, either. And maybe that's because she's tried in the past and nothing happens, right? I, I don't think she could at all. Also, they're in a public okay. setting. Yeah. She can't make a fuss right now. Yeah, true, true, In true. private, perhaps, but ultimately... Friedrich is the one with the power here. She can't say shit. She doesn't even want to be there. She was like a 15-year-old slave girl, basically. Now, I mean, she's his mistress, but still. Now she's the 25-year-old slave girl. Yeah. Um, I have a lot to say about that at the end of the episode. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. So, wait. Can we talk about the the dress for a second? About the dress? Yeah. Is that what you said? Or rather about the... Which one? The dress is cool. Both, specifically. So... I mean, we already commented a little bit about uh, about uh, Anna Rose's, but Susie Hughes, if you look at them side by side, they're basically the exact opposite. So, like, not just the obvious red and red and blue, but also the um, the freely things. I don't remember what they're called. Like the neck, the neckline. Yes, thank you. That's that's the word I'm looking for. I thought the neckline was similar. Similar similarly design, shaped. Similarly yeah. shaped. Similarly designed. So, like. The designs are similar, but color, but in terms of the colors, they're completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big difference about the different big difference in the designs, though, is if you look at the what did you say the the, the neckline no, or the, the collar, the, the head. Oh, like like a diadem yeah, or a headdress or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah. Yes. She, yes, sure she does. does, and she's wearing what like a fake collar almost mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of a choker. The collars in this episode are like some fancy ass legit collars that I actually really liked the look of. Yes. But I'm not sure I would wear any of the clothing that had collars like that. It was just, I was just like, wow, um, this is a fashion forward episode. I got to say. My time to shine. Overall. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, did you have more with that, Alan? Uh, no, I mean, that's really the main thing is just I wanted to point out that the, what the differences are here. Yeah. And- I mean, I could probably go into like the stylistic implications a little bit in terms just on the color, but I don't know about enough about women's fashion to tell you what they mean. Oh. Well, I mean, you know, like like the red is like the scarlet woman and is tied with woman's sexuality, and like usually when women are sexualized in media, they're kind of made out to be the bad guy. And I think yeah. there are implications about the ex coming in who like is hot for Friedrich. Um. I mean, I was going to talk about how she just has a super cool character design, like oh, blue so hair, yeah. con- constant, constant nods to the 80s headbands, even though, of course, they make them like fashion appropriate for the time. Um, yeah, she's just a cool looking lady with like ultra red lipstick. And I do yeah. like the, the floating Peter Pan collar. It's literally just a, a non-attached Peter Pan collar. It also um, doesn't stay around in every shot, but a lot <laughs> no. of the fashion kind of like goes away sometimes or changes colors mm. because, yeah, um, yeah. Actually, exactly. I was just gonna paste that 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 shot in particular of like there's a close up of her as they're leaving as uh, yeah. Frederick and Anna Rose are leaving. I felt that this was this was made to show her as like the more elderly, the old, the older option. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was partially why. Uh, she was tossed aside by Frederick. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not it was fully intentional, 
as we get to a little bit later on in the I have I have trivia about why she was tossed aside also. Ooh. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you want it now or later. I could save it till the end or tell you now. Um, but also she is older. She also strongly reminds me of like a Sailor Moon villain in mm-hmm. that last in that yes. the close face up shot. I think she's yeah. the hair all being yeah. pulled yeah. back really mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean she's definitely got the old lady bun mm-hmm. and that's part of that's part of what gave me this vibe here. But I think even just the angles on her face yeah. are in a way that it's meant to say, Hey, she's older. They're very harsh. I would say it's not even like she's old. She's just older. Right. Because I feel like he dumped her ten years ago. Um, so she was probably in her early twenties, late teens, max when he dumped her, possibly mid twenties. So what is she now? Like early 30s, mid 30s? Right. She's clearly beautiful. She's definitely older. She has harsher um, angling on her face and just her expressions compared to Anna Rose obviously are going to be harder. And just like the the deep red coloring showing like sort of a mature sexuality look. Uh, that That's the vibe I got from her. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to like kick Anna Rose down the stairs. Yes, she is. The, what we did not talk about uh, yet in this is that uh, she stares at the back of Anna Rose's head and she's like, that motherfucker, I'm gonna get her. Um, She does not like Anna Rose at all. Um, The reason I posted the picture before though was to note the ostentatious nature of this building. Um, this red carpet is perhaps the whitest red carpet (laughs) I've ever seen. The tiles, these green tiles here are, must be 10 feet by 10 feet tiles to the side of the red carpet. So the red carpet is over 20 feet wide. If you go based on the tiles is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, uh, I mean, obviously this, everything in the empire is ostentatious in this uh show but you know just those tiles did me in and then the rest of the episode continued to do me in uh because you know this is it is what it is so go ahead and give us your binamunda trivia okay so binamunda apparently this episode was taken from like a later side novel before she tried to off well getting ahead of ourselves before her feud with anna rose um, she apparently was going after Reinhardt multiple times for being like a young upstart. So also it's implied that the reason that she um, lost the interest of Friedrich is because she was unable to give him an heir, male or otherwise. Mm. So she had her first pregnancy resulted in a stillborn male son and then she later had two miscarriages. And so it's implied that he, or, or just maybe openly said, because I didn't read the novels, that he set her aside because she couldn't give him an heir. And then it's later heavily implied that somebody else, like another person in the royal family, may have had something to do with those miscarriages because that would put her ahead of him in the um, the line to the throne. Uh, so, so we're saying old boy Flagel here? Uh, it's Bronswag. Oh, okay, yeah. I think it's, that's Flagel's uncle. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. I He's think the so. power behind Flagel. Flagel's just yeah. a 
Yeah. The Duke. Yeah. The Duke. So it's just kind of tragic. And also, like, you know, she ruined her body for this man. And I guess she still loves him. Right. And yeah, he traded her in. There, I think there's a lot here with, like, so the next scene is we fade into her mansion. Um, and I was under the impression that whether or not she was independently wealthy before picked up by Frederick, that currently she is still being kept by Frederick as like, oh, well, this is your mansion in New San Sosa. Um, I because think... you're my ex, basically. Definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think... I think she might have had a title before him, whereas Anna Rose did not. Well, no, Anna Rose sort of did. They were but, like uh, disgraced nobles at that yeah, point, right? She but, got yeah. an additional title. This lady yeah. was rich to begin with, possibly noble to begin with, but I would assume he like wouldn't let her, you know, go slumming, you know, even though they're not together anymore. Right, right. So the first thing we see coming into Vina Munda's <laughs> mansion is once again said dressing that I cannot stop myself. These <laughs> fucking glow stick candle things that I do not understand. I also like, okay, are these candles powered from the bottom? Is it like, are these fluorescent lights that are meant to sh- be shaped like candles? I feel like you can see a little bit of the candle drip there too. I I love these fucking candles. I can't believe they exist. I love that they're in a... Like, this is obviously some (laughs) combination of technology with this aesthetic that the entire empire is trying to emulate. I I love it. I love it. It's ridiculous. So we're up in here and Binamunda is complaining about Anna Rose because she stole Frederick from her and she wants to rip off her face. (laughs) <laughs> which <laughs> I was there's a lot that Vina Munda says in this episode that I'm just like wow okay all right she lives for the drama yes but yeah so so Vina Munda is complaining to Flagel Flagel is here with his shitty haircut his shitty suit his shitty life fuck Flagel um his shoes but, whack his but, hair whack Yes, exactly. Even though it is it is still presumably the same night, uh, Binamunda has changed clothing and hairstyles uh, into another fashionable version of a thing. Um, her top half is kind of like a dress shirt. It's got a collar and everything. It's very 80s vibes. Uh, and... You know, she has a different necklace on, a different set of earrings on. I think it's the same Sailor Moon headband, uh, but her hair is now in a braid instead of uh, done up. Uh, and, and yeah, it's like a purple and pink dress. Anyway, I, I was, at this point, I was like, damn, we've already got a wardrobe change, and this is a one-episode character here. <laughs> we're just, we're... We're blowing the budget on this wardrobe, baby. She's like one of those actresses you hear about that have like something in their rider where they get to keep the dresses that they wear on the show. So they have like five wardrobe changes in the episode. Yes, I. I, I God damn it. Okay, I, I can't stop myself. Uh, do it, do it. Do I think it. there are I think there are issues 
in some ways with FLCL. I love FLCL a lot. However, uh, some of the jokes uh, do not land as good as they have. The idea that all of the characters in FLCL are actually actors is something that I love and is only in like one or two bit scenes. However, it's great whenever they're in the trailer talking about like, oh yeah, that scene was really hard to shoot. And I just love imagining these characters doing the same thing because it's ridiculous to think that after her death scene later, sorry, she dies, spoilers, in this episode (laughs) that she's just back in the trailer. Just like, oh, oh, you know, I'm so proud of my performance. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Um, that's all. Maybe they would be friends, like the actresses would be friends in real life, and they would just be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, me and Georgina are actually real tight. We just had a hard time not busting out laughing during some of these scenes. <laughs> exactly, exactly, because some of them are quite ridiculous. Uh, mostly everything Binamunda says is quite yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> just every fucking sentence out of her mouth. Um, but yes, uh, Flagel is fanning the flames here. Uh, he is, uh, speaking of, she has a very nice fan that's made of eight feathers <laughs> yes. only. Like that has got to be the fanciest ass fan I've seen in my life. Not really big into fans, I guess. So maybe, you know, it's whatever, but there's a lot. So anyway, uh, every time Flagel shows up and every time Fork shows up, I wrote what a shit. Uh, in my notes here because they're both such shits and Flagel is such a shit uh, he's fanning the flames of of Binamunda's uh, hatred here he's like you know the Kaiser's been depressed ever since he got with that new girl if only he had you back let me tell you things would be different around these parts this empire would be thriving instead of in decline like the narrator told us earlier <laughs> um, and and of course, every time he talks about uh, Anna Rose, he he says, "And her impertinent brother too," <laughs> because uh, once again, to the useless rivals comment, uh, Flagel is the useless rival of of old boy Reinhard. I also liked here. He said, "As nobles, we think that she should be removed." The Baron goes on to talk about how Anna Rose and Reinhardt are corrupting the noble institution of nobles who are truly the oppressed <laughs> class in this society. Now that these Ill- illegitimate nobles are appearing, let me tell you what, they're truly ruining everything that we have. Oh boy, class warfare. <laughs> and Binamunda's like, oh, Flagel, you're the only one who gets me. Flagel, you're the best. Saying your name doesn't make me feel ridiculous, <laughs> unlike all those other people. Uh, please help me get rid of this lady. I hate her so much. Our goals are aligned. We can truly be... We can We can do it. Mm-hmm. We can do it. And Flagel, of course, agrees to be the uh, power behind this plot. Um, because he wants to fuck over Reinhard. This is a direct continuation of our last Empire episode. As soon as she leaves and he's talking with his minion, he's like, he keeps using all these weird sun metaphors. He's like, she is trying to make the sun rise after it's already set. And there are, like, <laughs> I swear, like two or three other sun metaphors in his speech like that. The, the thing I don't like about this translation, and uh, I've been harping on this for a bit, they do not translate, I feel like, Japanese idioms well. Mm-hmm. 
in this translation and i feel like the sun rising thing is something that has a double meaning and they just didn't include the double meaning so we just see a whole lot of the sun here <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think this is that's been a kind of recurring thing there. There's a reason for this. It's not just it might be horrible translation, but there's a reason for why it's so horrible. Okay. Okay. You're saying the sun metaphors. The sun metaphors. Okay. Or this translation, or all of it, or the whole thing combined. I can understand. It makes a lot. Of, it makes perfect sense about. There's a plot point about bad translations. Education oh, yeah. in the Empire. I mean, it's that gone, would be really a meta down, level really down, I don't expect great. this show to get to. <laughs> I gotta say, um, if they break the fourth wall, I would be, I'd be along for the fucking ride at this point, though, right? Like, let's see. Um, yeah. So, so Flagel leaves immediately after agreeing to, you know, essentially help Vinamunda, and he's talking to his aide, and he's like. Yeah, uh, this lady sucks, but maybe we can use her. Uh, the sun rises, etc. Uh, <laughs> just more and more sun stuff. Um, I, I I like the even if Grunwald is dead, he'll never care about Binamunda again, not for a moment. Uh, I did write down one of the sun quotes here. Uh, it's like trying to stop the sun from setting after it's already set. Yeah, I got that. Which one. is like, that's like a sick burn <laughs> over here, you know? <laughs> like, damn. Not only is she sunsetting, right? She's already <laughs> set. <Yeah. laughs> like, it's over. Uh, uh, he left the, you, girl. I also, <laughs> right, right. He's He is not coming back. He's not coming back for you. I wrote down a summary of Flagel's vibe here as, well, we might as well try to fuck over Reinhard. Don't really expect it to work, but whatever. I'm infinite rich. Who cares? We'll just eliminate everyone involved. Right. <laughs> right. If I throw some resources at this and it doesn't work, it doesn't... I don't care. I don't care. Mm. Baron Flagel, I don't <laughs> care. At the very least, it'll like kind of tick off Reinhardt. And at the right. end of the day, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, then we come up on uh, another, um, as you may expect at this point, uh, examination of uh, places that are too large. So Reinhard and Kirikiais are standing on a balcony here in front of a window that must be three stories by itself. Um, there's curtains in there. I mean, this is just, uh, that's a fucking big window. That's just, it's a large window. Uh, anyway, so, uh, Reinhardt's 30 feet tall. Yeah. Three stories. Is that really? I don't actually know how tall a story is. Oh, it's 10 feet. Oh. Yo, Americans will do anything to not use the metric system, though. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I think you... Stories are actually not actually feet, but you can say they're 10 feet because a story can be a different height mm-hmm. based on where the ceiling is, essentially. So in actuality, this is only one story because you go up to the next floor before <laughs> you're on the next floor. But it is three colloquial stories, which are 10 feet. Building facts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's that's exactly what it is yes in fact 
Um, but yes, yeah, so Reinhardt and Kiri Kiaisa up here. Reinhardt's talking about a dream they had when they were kids, remembering back when Anna Rose was around. And Kiri Kiaisa's like, what if we're in the dream now? And that's reality. What if we wake up tomorrow and we just, we're kids again. And we go tell Anna Rose about how we became able to run through the galaxy. And, you know, it was great. And she'll laugh and she'll be like, ha ha ha. <laughs> You guys are so cutie, your little 10-year-old butts. Y'all are great. And then we'll get to keep living living life together, the three of us. And this prompted me to note here that Kiriki Ice is the naive idealism of youth and Oberstein is the clear, cold, clear, cybernetic eyes of reality. Um, And uh, I think that's pretty true with this dream sequence here and everything that happens with Kiriki Ice in the last 10 episodes we've watched where Anna Rose is constantly telling him, make sure he remembers everything that he does. Mm-hmm. He's, he's easy to forget about people because he's a psychopath. Yeah. Reinhard rudely interrupts because he does not care for childish things like <laughs> friendships or old relationships with has-been redheads anymore um which uh it's not actually that rude they kind of stop talking before this happens but that's what i wrote uh i was drinking when i was doing this one um and uh he gives kiriki ice a letter uh which reads miss b plans to kill miss g of the court please be careful this was very in my mind where i got at least some of the three musketeers vibes from i feel like that's probably rose of versailles as well uh molly it's very anime to just be like miss b says this mr g says this like i well that the very specific miss letter um thing is in three musketeers oh okay So they like cross out the rest of the name or they don't show the name. It's like B blank, 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 blank or whatever um, in notes like this. That's interesting. Interesting. Honestly, the Rose of Versailles part for me is just like the fact that somebody hates like the mistress of the king and is super Mm. dramatic about it to the point of ridiculousness. Got it. Yeah. Well, that that is true in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in case it was unclear, uh, Miss G is Grunwald and Miss B is Binamunda. Uh, so obviously we've seen everything that led up to this letter's existence and we've talked about it ad nauseum. So just to, to re-clarify here, uh, Reinhardt tells Kukiais that he's planning on sending Oberstein Paulio. to go deal with this. Definitely the method actor of this cast and crew. <laughs> this this episode gave me I, I big Oberstein vibes. I like Oberstein in, in this yeah. one. Yeah. Um but yeah, so uh Kirkiai starts uh waxing poetic about the horrors of court life and how this proves that Reinhardt's enemies have enemies. But what if those enemies joined together and came after Reinhard, which I guess is kind of what's happening? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Like it's already this. That is what this is, um, because Flagel is teaming up with Binamunda, who hates 
Anna Rose and according Molly to your uh, true backstory, true crime backstories, uh, also hates Reinhardt. By proxy, probably. Yeah. So Reinhardt gets mad at the court, basically. It's no place for his sister and crumples the note in a anime fist squeeze at the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Very uh, Reinhardian in nature. So we see the Imperial Admiralty and the narrator talks to us again that there are daily strategic meetings to talk through how to take back Isserloin, which I thought was an interesting, just realistic thing. Mm -hmm. Although also strange, it seems like there's only the three super marshals as I've dubbed them and Reinhard there. Um, Reinhard doesn't seem to give a fuck about (laughs) these meetings and the, in the brief shot we get, um, and the narrator also lets us know that the rumors are flying about Binamunda uh, killing Anna Rose. So Lichtenlad is sent to uh, tell her she has to vacate to her countryside manor. She can't stay in New San Sosi anymore. She's got to go to the countryside, uh, which doesn't seem very far away uh, based on this episode. But, you know, um, she's in her third look of the episode. In this shot, um, because of course she is, uh, she has to She's be close horse. Yes, it's a pretty good dress. I mean, it's a very classic cut, and it's flattering. And I like, I honestly like the bodice part with like the ruffles coming down from the neckline, yeah, and the belt with the little red thing that matches the necklace. It's good. It's a good dress. Top notch yeah. dress. A plus plus. Yes. So her hair this time is still a braid, but now it's like coming down the front of her um, instead of behind her. Uh, that was a weird way to say that, but it is what it is. Um, I do. I also like the sleeve fr- frills. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that. Um, the cuffs, I guess. The cuffs of her sleeves are... Uh, that's not the word for a dress sleeve, but, uh, you know... <laughs> It's, it's just called sleeve frills. Yeah. <laughs> sleeve frills. That works. That's the technical term. Yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, this feels more like an accurate period dress rather than the weird actual Peter Pan collar of the previous purple dress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I do. She's missing her signature um, accessory, though. She doesn't have the diadem. She doesn't have her little Sailor Moon tiara thing going yes. on. Yes. Yes, it makes her look less like a Sailor Moon villain when she doesn't have it, which yeah. is depressing. Yeah, it looks like she's toned her earrings down too. She had the nice long ones earlier. Well, she had to. Dr- she knew, right? So this was all part of the plan. She knew she was going to go to the countryside, and you can't wear such fantasy shit when you're going to the countryside, true, right? Like, true. You gotta, you gotta braid your braids tight against your hair, take off your dangly earrings, because you never know what's gonna happen when you get into a fight. So. Yes, yes, but yes. Uh, so Lichtenlad's here, and she's she's. Vi- I don't know if this is her putting on an act. I feel like you could argue that it is, but she also acts like this every time the emperor comes up. So it's probably not. But she's all like, "Well, if I if I have to go to the countryside, why didn't why didn't Frederick come tell me himself? Why didn't he?" And it's like you know why he didn't. Girl, you know, you know, it's because of exactly the way you're <laughs> acting right now. I don't, I don't think she knows that the rumors are spreading yet. 
Yeah. Okay. I think I think Flugel told you know spread the rumors, but she is unaware because who would be like, hey girl, I heard you're gonna try and murder uh, Lady G, you know? I think she's just super dramatic in all aspects of her life. <laughs> this is how she yep. genuinely feels. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely probably the correct take there. Yeah. Um, but so she starts hating on grunewald here and lichtenlad's like dude grunewald's great man she's never she's never heard a fly she's spectacular why would you think that she's gonna like why would you think she's talking shit about you that she's she's the best she's the best thing that's ever happened to me and i'm not even in a relationship with her okay (laughs) and and vinamunda's like wait you're on her side too and orders him out which I guess is something you can do when you're the emperor's uh, ex, the shadow leader of the entire emperor empire, and she just like yeah. is like get out of my house. Yeah, I mean he probably doesn't want to fucking be there yeah. either, right? Like, he's like, like man, you you're making me do this fucking nonsense. <laughs> Fuck you, Frederick. You suck. Um, yeah, uh, but Flagel's also listening at the door during this conversation. Uh, very flagal move. Mm-hmm. Hate that guy. Um, but when when he hears her order Lichtenlade out, he we we get the shot of him leaving the door just because we need the 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 logical consistency of well we saw him at the door and if we don't see him leaving the door <laughs> then it's obvious that he would have still been there when Lichtenlade opened the door. Nope, they covered it. They covered it, baby. Um, so after Lichtenlad leaves, she throws a pillow at the door and it explodes into feathers uh, because, of course, it does. Um, and and then Flegel comes back in and he's like, oh, I heard everything. I can't believe that he's doing that to you. So, yeah, you're probably right. Um, and she's like, yeah, that's horrible. We'll kick off the plan we agreed to. And he's he's very like sensual here which looks bad on his him because he's horrible he leans in he's like don't forget we have to keep this a secret she's like oh flagel you're the only one i can trust and it's just like oh my god fucking flagel you stupid piece of shit i really i don't like flagel there's a there's a strange smile that we fade out on on flagel's face here too I feel like if he made this smile, she would be like, why are you making that weird-ass <laughs> smile? What are you plotting? Like, what the fuck? Right, what's up? Yeah, and and again, Flagel is still fanning flames during this whole thing. Uh, poor poor Munda, she's super manipulated by Flagel here. Flagel is uh, sacrificing her to uh, the blood gods. Um, so anyway, uh, Anna Rose, back to her non-fancy dress, is here. Uh, brushing her hair in her mansion and an aide runs in and is like Reinhardt was seriously injured watching a dr- watching a drill we just got the uh, and I assume that means a military drill not like a oil drill <laughs> no it's actually uh, I think he literally thought it was like a construction accident <laughs> 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 Well, I mean, maybe it is a construction accident, but <laughs> I was, like, I was... Why is he overseeing a drilling? <laughs> That's a weird yeah. thing for an admiral to do. 
so the aide's like, oh, we just got a note that he was seriously injured. You've got to come right away. So they get in their car and they drive for 45 minutes, presumably, <laughs> to, get, to get to the middle of the countryside where this was supposedly happening. But anyway, getting ahead of myself. So they, uh, they, they get into a more generic car, which I will not go into. This is not the car I'm going to focus on <laughs> in this episode. There is one later, however. Uh, it looks like a more normal car than the, uh, chariot style that we have been seeing on the Empire side. And so they're driving down. Anna Rose just looks sad. And so does her, her little servant lady aid person. Do you think Um, the servant lady knew it was a trick? I don't think the servant lady knew it was a trick. I Mm -hmm. think they got a note, um, because... I guess it was hard to use the phone. Um, they got a note and then they were like, Oh shit, we've got to go deal with this. Um, but maybe the servant lady does. She's not focused on, they just kind of either they murder her, which I assume is what happens because she does not continue through this episode. (laughs) Um, or, you know, they just forgot about her and (laughs) they're like, Oh, whatever. She's fine, I guess. But we see we see Anna Rose and the servant being driven through the city, and then we also see the return of our our two boys, Mittermeier and Ruenthal, who are driving the other way, and they're somehow are watching specifically in the correct direction to see that Anna Rose is driving past them, and they're like, Whoa, wait, was that Anna Rose? <laughs> we should we should go deal with this. And we see, uh, so then we cut to the Admiral room where this meeting is going on to take back Isserlone, which it really sounds like it was the first hour of the first day of the meetings based on the things that they were saying. Um, It was the centerpiece of our defense of our empire. It's like, okay, (laughs) did you guys not already talk about, like, have you not already briefed each other on what Isserloin is? Like... We're not past the point of arguing over the definition of Visserloin. <laughs> uh, felt felt very uh, shitty work meeting to me. Uh, not like the thirtieth day of figuring out the strategy to retake it or something, right? Uh, but anyway, Reinhard looks very bored or actively mad. I wasn't sure if he was extremely bored or really fucking mad in this picture. Oh, uh, is there a difference at this point? He just doesn't fair. want to be in this boring meeting. Yeah, yeah. He is he is sulking uh, in certain <laughs> ways. He's he is not not a happy camper one way or another. Um, and then we only see like a second of this before we're outside. We're Poor Kyrkiais is waiting at at uh, Reinhard's every whim, which doesn't he have like a fleet to maintain or something? But whatever. So Mittermeier and Ruenthal come up and they're like, they're like Kyrkiais, we saw Lady Anna Rose, and Kyrkiais is like, hmm, I stalk Lady Anna Rose every day, and she never leaves her mansion. So that's a little weird. <laughs> He remembers the note and he puts the pieces together and he's like, the only reason she would ever leave her mansion is because this is a trap. Dun, 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 dun. Also, I'm just going to go and say this. Whoever wrote, whoever's handwriting they used for this might actually be a psychopath murderer. 
Like <laughs> I, that's better than my handwriting, dude. I can't write. Cursive I can't write cursive well. at all. And guess what? I write cursive like a psychopath. <laughs> you it it definitely looks like a fifth grader who's been writing cursive for a couple years, mm-hmm. still forming every letter perfectly. There's no shorthand in the cursive here at all, right? So then we go back to uh, Anna Rose. The her limo is driving through the countryside, but then suddenly there's a mortar shot that explodes in front of the car, which makes it spin out, and Anna Rose gets tossed around in the car. Some, as I described them, Scarlet Pimpernel ass <laughs> dudes show up uh, with their guns. Uh, they're wearing the like you know pointed ballroom mask, the Phantom uh, purple. Yes. Yes. Uh, they're Scarlet Pimpernels, sir. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Not familiar with it. Oh. It's it's like a literary trope, I feel like. Yeah, the mask, the cape, the hats. Yeah. A very stark contrast to the Alliance thugs who dress like it's Mad Max. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, those, those aren't thugs. That's their uniform. I assume we aren't supposed to recognize any of these guys from earlier in the episode. Um, they ask Anaros to come with them. They have guns. Uh, uh, and and then we hit the commercial break, which isn't really a commercial break, but, you know, it's the fade to black uh, to break these episodes up. So uh, then we come back on the call. Um, they are calling on a Battlestar Galactica screen here with the corners cut off, um, as previously mentioned, uh, in this podcast, I believe not this episode, but anyway, the moral is, uh, there are no sharp corners allowed. Everything is a hexagon in Battlestar Galactica reboot. And this matches that. I don't know why they would cut off the corners of the screen. (laughs) doesn't make any fucking sense in any context. Like what the fuck, you know, they... There's why would there be a factory that would create them like this? It's a waste of material. Um, so anyway, the, this is like presumably the secretary for this meeting, I guess. I'm not, I was a little confused on who this is because she obviously doesn't know, or she does know Reinhard, or sorry, she obviously doesn't know Kiriki Ice, or if she does know him, doesn't give a fuck about him in this moment, mm-hmm. even though he has some real shit going on. <laughs> Uh, this vibes of the party when Kiriki Ice was trying to get in mm-hmm. and they're like, who the fuck are you? No, actually, we're not even going to ask you who you are, even though you're a vice admiral. And once we learn that, we let you in immediately. But hey, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and and she she specifically says we can't burden his excellency with needless worries, which. Uh, oh, sorry. No, that's what Kiriki Ice says. Uh, the secretary is just like, yeah, I can't interrupt that meeting. Sorry, dude. There's too many powerful people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kiriki Ice is like, well, we can do it ourselves. And he's about to walk off. But Mittermeier and Runthal are like, dude, you know, we're Reinhardt's crew too, okay? We have his back as well. It's not just you, <laughs> all right? It's not just you. And also... We, you need me to help identify the car any fucking way, which <laughs> it's true. It doesn't even happen to be clear. But that's the that's the convincing that they do to Kiriki Ice. So they pull up to this country mansion, which is actually like 
just a shitty house yeah. in the country. This is not what I expected from considering every other mansion. Whenever they talk about like the country homes that these nobles are going to, this is just a fucking house, man. It's a normal ass house. A little cottage that you would in the build nowhere. Yeah, yeah, just a cottage. Um, but n- now we see. Ben- <laughs> yes, it is on stilts. Um, but that's probably so they can have a deck off the back. Uh, the Scarlet Pimpinels here push her in, push Anna Rose in, and we see uh, Binamunda's fourth outfit, which is, in my opinion, her best outfit, which mm-hmm. is like a purple, a purple sleeveless dress, and then yes. she also is wearing full arm gloves and a veil <laughs> and dangly earrings. Again, she is dressed for the villainess part here. And a Shriner spectacular. hat. <laughs> yeah. Shriner hat with a veal coming off the front and like a, a, a little red kind of like a maple leaf really, mm-hmm. but a red leaf here to, uh, to give a little bit of uh, contrast. It's good stuff. It's, I, I like this. Mm-hmm. I like this a lot. She's also matching her minions which I thought was a good thing. She, I mean, she's got to stay styling, mm-hmm. all right? But she, she accuses Anna Rose of plotting to steal the entire empire by stealing Frederick's heart, which Anna Rose is like, what the fuck are you talking about? But Bina Munda Bina, <laughs> Bina uh, is like, shut your fucking mouth because your scheme has come to nothing. And then pour some wine in a glass out of a already decanted gla- uh, pitcher of wine. And then there's a lingering shot, which has been posted here of, yes, of, um, <laughs> she uses a lot of bad words that I will not be repeating um, uh, here, but she holds her hand up so you can see her bling, uh, which is a, like a jade ring. Uh, holds it over the wine glass, clicks it open, and some powder falls in. And we get Binamunda explaining what the plan is overall. Yeah, the finesse of just opening the ring and having it spill directly into I the wine that. glass. Perfect. That was good. That was yeah. good. She, it feels like she practiced for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Considering how many outfits she's gone through, I can't imagine there's a world where she didn't practice this beforehand, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, well, probably she did it on the fucking commoner dude mm-hmm. that she's about to talk. Like, I'm sure that commoner dude is already dead. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Um. Well, anyway, so she's like, "You're gonna drink this poison fucking wine, and your body's gonna be found next to a commoner." And I wrote because she doesn't say it. I wrote in here, "The commoner is also dead. He is not <laughs> a live commoner next to her dead body. It is two dead people." One of them is the commoner dude. One of them is Anna Rose. Uh, you yeah. may be called Countess Grunwald, but in the end, you'll be remembered as a slut. You'll have committed adultery with a commoner. You betrayed his majesty. You whore. Uh, I didn't like this language. Uh, I I looked. I tried to listen to see if I could hear anything and then search for it in a Japanese uh, dictionary. To see, I also searched for slut and whore in a Japanese dictionary, which I did not hear any of in this scene. I did hear uh, fugi no ona, ona, mm. something like that, uh, which is uh, adulterer, basically. Um, but 
I did not hear anything with Slutter Horse. So I don't know if this is whoever did this fan translation um, uh, postulating here, putting their own biases in this language or not. Uh, but it's probably just me not being able to hear Japanese well enough to know. But her earrings also change color because they were red in the first shot and then they're gray for the rest of it. Uh, very Scooby-Doo animation <laughs> style. Um, you know, they they there's a lot going on in her outfits, though. So, like, I I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, it's also a very anachronistic outfit. I feel like it's much more modern than any of her other outfits oh, before yeah. this. Yes, yes. Yes, it is a it is a tight fitting dress in a way that none of her other dresses have really been. It is it is the definitely modern style of you know sleeveless dress type, right? Like when even what period is this? Is this like the thirties, like the forties? I don't even know. Well, her henchmen look out of pulp novels, right? Yeah, so yeah, maybe exactly. Maybe that's her aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. It's her aesthetic for this moment, right? Which Mm -hmm. again, like she planned for this, man. She was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, she's been sewing these suits for them, right? You know, she's like, she had to pick up a hobby. She had to pick up a hobby, okay? Yeah, but yeah, it's not gonna be sewing. And she's certainly not gonna sew for other people. She's got a team of orphan children with sewing machines or something. Yes, you're right. She, she has a factory of children. And she designed it there and then Perfect. got yeah. the children yeah. to sew it. Yeah. She picked up designing and a and child labor, um, not sewing. You you are correct. I, I misspoke. Uh but yes, this is this is I liked this scene a lot. Uh she's pretty imposing here, despite having like generic anime noble lady voice. Um, you know, you've heard the Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> it's that it's it's that forever you've heard it a million times it's here again and yet still managed to be imposing it was good stuff um yeah this was this was good stuff good stuff i was happy to hear Binamunda almost complete her plan she she gets a lot she gets very close to anna rose and you see anna rose's face like as she's looking at the wine and then we cut to now we're at the car shot. Now we're in. Now we're in car talk, baby. Uh, bat country. We've we've re- reached we've reached <laughs> bat country. <laughs> um. Also, note like there is no road here. They're driving. There's no fucking road. You see out the front of their car, and it, they're just like driving on nothing. It is obviously grass directly in front of them. <laughs> There's not a road. <laughs> I mean, it's like a hover car, isn't it? The brown one seemed like a hover car. Like the nondescript ugly brown car that was previous to this car. Right. That one had no wheels shown. Um, and I don't know if they show wheels on this one either. So maybe there's hover cars, maybe not. I don't know if it's specified. I think it's just... It could have been one of those eight-wheel jobs now, that we saw earlier, too. Granted, they park the spaceships on the planet in in the Empire, unlike in the Free Planets Alliance. So they just take those big-ass fucking spaceships all the way down to the planet, and they apparently have enough ability to 
get them off of the planet, even though that doesn't make any fucking sense. So in that sense, I could see hover cars existing because if they have the ability to land a spaceship on a planet and then take it back off again without, you know, a rocket, they're pretty good. They got some tech. So I think the, expl- the actual explanation is a little bit more simpler. Uh, cars exist currently. I want that have the uh, the wheels covered. I you cannot cover the entirety of the wheel and have it be off the ground uh, though. Excuse me. There's this thing called high grass, which they kind of have around there. So you know, <laughs> you combine one of the you combine the grass and the gravel, just kind of just uh-huh. you know, hiding the visibility. Okay. All right. And the fact that the my wheel thought was even simpler in that they didn't want to draw the wheels well, because it doesn't fucking matter. Obviously, that's what it was, but come on. We have to justify ourselves here in this visual medium Fair. of a podcast. You are correct. Um, so then, um, my focus, my true focus here, is explaining this car. This car is not drawn with any particular perspective, or perhaps it is drawn with three perspectives at once, and that is where (laughs) we get this. Uh, You can see the middle piece of the car in the top there, right? And that seems centered on Mittermeier and Ruenthal's heads, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, oh, the car should end just to the left of Ruenthal's right arm. However, you can see there is a third full seat (laughs) to the left of Ruenthal's right arm. Um, which means <laughs> that this car is extremely fucking wide. You can also see the center uh, hood ornament mm-hmm. on this car with a line coming directly from that to the middle of Ruenthal's body. <laughs> Once again, implying that Ruenthal is in the center <laughs> of the car, despite what the top, the roof of the car would tell you about how wide this car is. Also, a lot of headroom. There's a, a ton of headroom, a ton of... Even if this was just two people, like, the the elbow room alone, like, if the car ended to the right of Ruenthal, or, yes, to Ruenthal's right, right there, there's still a ton of shoulder room between Ruenthal and Mittermeier for a normal car. Like, that's... that's they are balling in this combination SUV sedan thing. <laughs> and the hood ornament is also a bat, which <laughs> I I feel like they haven't really tried to go m- gothic much in the architecture of this show. Yeah. It's all very Roman. It matches with the outfits of that sort of like weird noir thing, though. Like Batman True. is a very gothic, uh, has very gothic architecture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fair. So this is basically what they're driving right there. Except there's a third seat. You need to paste on a third do you, seat. Do you not look at the look at the picture in the middle? Look at the picture. Yeah, but that's like a child seat. Like yeah, it needs that to be is obviously a skinnier wide. seat. So here's the thing: this is not a good representation of what a Ford F250's front seat is like. Uh, that the, on the 250s, that front seat is a full seat in the middle. My my grandparents had a car that had like a bench seat in the front seat, and I would sit there sometimes. And it was I've seen a bench seat before, and that's like, I mean, that's definitely a vibe. There's technically like a butt indentation for the two main seats, but then for the middle seat, you're just kind of on your own. I think. 
Also, it would be a it would be a vibe to choose the middle seat when the right seat is there. <laughs> well, I mean, Kirky Ice is in the back seat. Yeah. Power move. Power yeah. move. And Kirky Ice is like, oh yeah, I don't sit in front seats actually. Um, I'll be in the back. Y'all can fucking drive me. Yes, we're of equal rank. Do I give a fuck? N O, sirs. N O. I'm the highest ranked in Reinhardt's heart. All my sadmers are equal, but some are more equal than others. Right. Right. Um, and that bitch Paul anyway, still isn't a vice admiral, so I can sit in the back. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely asked whose car this is. I feel like it's Mittermeier's car. <laughs> I think that this is the vibe of Mittermeier's car. I also named the car, and I was drunk, and I asked you all to name the car, but I don't know if you did. It's okay if you did I not. I did. The name I, the name I gave it is the Leatherwing Platoon. Oh. Large enough to hold an entire army. Get yours today. <laughs> so, it's fancy. The Leatherwing being the model, or the, yeah, the make, and the platoon being the model. So... I had two thoughts. Uh, one is the boring one, which is that Maserati somehow sur- survived thousands and thousands of years <laughs> to make the space jiggly. Quick aside, uh, in the next episode, which we are not getting to, but I want to mention it now before I forget, uh, we do have Cornelia Windsor, which implies that the Windsor Empire maintains <laughs> into the far future. So I think that you could, I think you could make an argument that Maserati is still here. Okay, okay. So that's one, and then two, uh, that the make of the ma- uh, the make of the vehicle, the manufacturer, is called Fledermaus because that's the boring thing to say. Is that is that bat in German? Yeah, it works. Yeah. It works. And it's called the Fledermaus bat. <laughs> Doesn't nice work spot. quite as much, but nice try. Okay. Did anyone else? Because no. the answer is fine to be no. Uh, I, I don't know Jack about cars, so I just called it the Batley instead of a Bentley. Ooh. Yeah. See, that's, uh, that is the quality content I am looking yeah. for here. Yeah. The Batley. Yeah. And then, um,. Also, did anybody else get a vibe from this? Like, um, like maybe some songs should have been playing in the background. It, and I thought it would either be like, the boys are back in town. <laughs> um, or maybe like, baby don't hurt me. Or wake me up before we go-go. Just like something. Like So, okay. All right. Let's get into it. Um like, they're going to have a gasoline fight and then get some orange mocha frappuccinos later. Yes. I, I think that if we're, if we're going to get in, Mittermeier, um, I don't think this is Mittermeier's car. I think this is Ruenthal's car. But Mittermeier's driving. Mittermeier, Mittermeier always has on deck the five songs that you listed there. Excellent. They're always playing in his car, no matter, no matter what the fuck's going on. He's playing them constantly. Ruenthal, um, death metal forever. No, you know, yeah. he's got he's his fucking. Oh, I could see if, it. If this is his car, and he's got his fucking bat hood ornament here, I feel like may- maybe let's go. Maybe you're right that it's not death metal. It's actually like metal, emo and metal mixed together is what he plays. 
so it's not all the way to death metal but it's like uh um avenge sevenfold style right <laughs> yeah like R- ruinthal's over here jamming the fuck out to avenge sevenfold and reinhardt or not reinhardt kiriki ice has uh he only has seven songs all of which are secret recordings he's made of anna rose singing um nursery rhymes so no it's pretty creepy you get in his car there's there's also like 10 minutes of her just laughing that um, that he's compiled together himself um from separate recordings he's a creepy creepy man creepy man Um, he just has the one recording i think okay just, okay just the one so they're like oh well i guess we'll investigate this random house we drove up on even though we aren't on a road so they they pull up uh in front of the car which is to be clear not the car that they that anna rose was in there was no identification of her car that was shown at least um and as soon as they get out they all three get out at the same time um, the Scarlet Pimpernel start shooting at them, and Ruenthal does this pretty dope, like, triple somersault to get under the deck. Um, we get a shot of, uh, this is, like, right, this shooting begins right after the last scene ended, so we see, uh, Binamunda being like, oh my god, what's going on? And then we're back to the fight. Um, so, uh, Mittermeier and and Ruenthal are very legless Gimli here. Um, they uh, are like, you get the one on the right. I'll leave the left one to you. And Kirikiais, cover us. And so Kirikiais starts covering them. Uh, Mittermeier crawls through the car and shoots them <laughs> from the passenger side door, which I thought was just just spectacular like thank you Mittermeier you're great and then while they're distracted by Mittermeier's antics everyone thought runs around the stairs and just shoots the other one this is this is great here's the real question Oscar and Oscar and Wolfie are definitely are definitely bad boys bad boys you know it's definitely uh Will Smith Martin Lawrence which one's which Mm, I don't think we've seen enough of them yet mm-hmm. for Wait, everyone to judge. The bad boys? He's talking about Mittermeier and Ruenthal. Oh, He's okay. using their first names, which none of us know. Right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Wolfgang, uh, Oscar, uh, Roenthal and Mittermeier are definitely Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, bad boys for life. But which one? See, I, hmm. I feel like we haven't seen enough of them yet, okay. is the thing. Like, at the end of this season, we could probably make a call on which one's which. That's fair. I was really impressed by that, like, somersault shooting, hiding behind a pillar thing. So so maybe that means that Ruenthal's Will Smith, because he's doing the action moves, and then Mittermeier is crawling through the car as the comic relief of, um, um, shit, it's Will Smith and who? Martin Lawrence. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Martin Lawrence is definitely the comic relief of that duo, so, uh... Considering how amused I was by the crawl through the car, I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna go with. My uh, brain's just going to uh, Ruenthal and Oberstein being Will Smith and the robot, not robot. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Oberstein typecast as a robot in every every role. Also, let's notice that we actually get 
external confirmation that there's three seats in the in the car, and it's not just the uh, it's not just a Scooby Doo animation error. I did not notice that actually. Oh, okay, it's actually like it's like a bench seating. I see yeah, it. Like I'm telling you, it's basically the same thing as a one of modern pickup trucks. I will take or like a picture a, of. Well, I was thinking more like uh, old boat cars, right? Back to that aesthetic. Because like a if you look at like a well, my friend has a '73 Impala, and it's literally just a bench in the front and back seats. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, and also, uh, that, that was the vibe. No one has any seatbelts. So if anyone crashes, they're all crashes. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, we did see Anna Rose get thrown the fuck around when they stopped for that mortar blast earlier. Maybe one of the first things that Rudolph did was say, you know what? Don't tread on me. These fucking seatbelts mm-hmm. have got to go. And, and you know, it's just been government policy since. Yeah. Seatbelts. yeah. Well, they didn't. This is like, it was made in the early 80s. That was before the big government push, pushes for like mandatory seatbelts. So they didn't grow up singing little jingles about buckling up for safety to make their parents do it. So there was a jingle? Yeah. You, you, yeah. Uh, let's hear it. Uh, it was like, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up for safety, buckle up. Now just imagine singing that over and over again to your parents. And then you just use like child propaganda to make them always buckle up. I've never heard that before. Me either. Yeah. So. I feel a there's lot like, better now that yeah. I've never heard it because, uh, yeah, you know, there's it's not universal. Yeah. yeah, there are some more lyrics to it that I don't remember. I think we changed them to be kind of not dirty, but like as a child, like it was supposed to be like show loved ones you care, da 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 da, and we changed it to wear clean underwear. Mm. It's you very also wear it's clean a very though, I feel like classic. Yeah. yeah very so. jingle bells, Batman smells, nice. Robin laid an egg vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did okay. always I did right. always buckle up after that. I was a very impressionable young child, so it worked. Sadly, uh Kierke Ice was unable to buckle up. I'm sure he would be singing that song. That's one of his ten songs in his car. <laughs> is buckle up, buckle up. Um Only if Reinhardt's there, he just makes Reinhardt buckle up. Yeah. Yeah. Reinhardt Reinhardt and Lady Anna Rose, if he's driving them around, they have to be safe. And he will he will turn this car around, thank you, if you do not put on your seatbelt. Uh, actually he's the only person that has a seatbelt in the entire empire. He had it specially commissioned for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I think that, that fits here. Um but yeah, so they uh, once they take out these two outdoor Scarlet Pimpernels, they bust in the door. Um, the two that are standing there are pointing guns at them, and um, Binamunda is holding a stiletto to uh, Anna Rosa's throat. Kiki Eyes tries to uh, talk her down, tries to be like, it's okay. Sure, your son is already set, but that's okay. You don't have to do this. Um and he gets nowhere. Uh, uh, Moon is like, you better drop your fucking weapons or I'm going to slit her throat. And so Kirgiyas immediately puts his gun down. She's like, the other two, too. Come on, put him down. Put him down. Uh, but as she's saying that, we see a 
hand reach up to a power switch, turn it off. Um, the lights go out. Uh, there's a shootout in the dark, which feels really dangerous considering like both like everybody's just fucking shooting, man. That, yeah. that seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't go bad, so that's fine, I guess. But these guns look so weird. Like, like <laughs> this is like the Fallout laser pistols. But yeah. With like a long barrel attached to it. Like this is the kind of dumb stuff that you come up with like when you're half in the bag. <laughs> oh, Rob Liefeld. Oh God, no! There's not. No, I don't see any patches on the gun. <laughs> like, there's no patches on the gun. How can it be Rob Liefeld, sir? Yeah, no. Uh, and have a belt coming yes, off the gun. Yes. We're, we're okay. If they took up, if they took off their cloaks, okay, you you can't even imagine the number of of belts and fanny packs and patches in there. Okay, that's true. But the gun also doesn't have any feet. So it might be a Rob Liefeld gun. <laughs> I mean, the hole is very small. Mm-hmm. It's like a urethra or something. <laughs> it's like there's a lot of gun barrel to the I don't know what you call the like middle part. It's the shaft. But it's like a laser, right? <laughs> oh, okay. This is a light, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, we've established it's like a urethra. Okay, it's a urethra of laser. It's a laser. <laughs> okay, it does make more sense if it's a laser gun, I suppose. There's no chamber. No, what do you, what what is the like the part that the bullet travels through? Barrel. Well, well, the the light is stored in the ball, and then the um, it travels down the shaft to the urethra. And then uh, comes out and shoots people. Gotcha, gotcha. The lights go out. There's a shootout in the dark. Bad idea. Don't do it. Don't try this at home, children. Don't have a shootout in the dark with the hostage you're trying to rescue. Literally in front of everyone else that you're shooting at. Really a bad idea. Um, (laughs) Somebody jumps out the window. Presumably one of these Scarlet Pimpernel dudes picks up up the uh, Binamunda and jumps out of the window with her. It's like it's a really a it's a quick jump, you know. There's like a little little ninja guy here, and uh, then the lights come back on, and uh, we get we get Kiki Ice's patented at this point, yelling the same name three or four times in a row with Sama after it, as he's Anarosama, 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 um. And runs over to her. Uh, she is fine, to be clear. Uh, lying on the ground. She's like, oh, Jig, thank God you came. Jig. Uh, again, I I can't tell if she likes Jig or not, but um, he definitely likes her. So, And I think he only likes her because she shares the same blood as Reinhard. But... Uh, I think she dotes on him like a younger sibling. He did have his first sexual awakening when she patted him on the head that one time, as we've seen already. I'm very proud of of Zeke, actually, for uh, progressing since then. Like, you'll notice he's full on holding her. And he didn't jizz in his pants even once. He did. At least not visibly. Yeah. I mean, you. This comes from you know time and expertise at stopping himself from jizzing in his pants, 
as he's I mean, he's eaten her food. I'm sure that caused something the first couple of times. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he has come a long way. You know, he's he's now just a normal horny teenager instead of a way too horny teenager. <laughs> yeah. So good job. Kiki Ice. Good job. Um, Oversign walks in here. We get to see once again his his beautiful, cold, clear, cybernetic eyes. Um, and apologize for being late, but amusingly, in an aside to himself, notes that it help, was helpful that he was late this time because he was able to sneak to the power thing that they probably could have they probably could have just sent Ruenthal to do if any of them had any sort of planning ability. But luckily, Oberstein was there to plan for them. <laughs> wow, that's a very... That is a gaze on Oberstein there. We pan up oh, his yeah. body yeah. as yes. Matt has yeah. just shown us. This is a... The male this gaze. Is a good, good stuff. Um, Ruenthal's very like, Oberstein? What are you doing here? You weren't invited to our party to rescue Anna Rose. Um... But uh, that was just my take on Ruenthal's uh, reaction here. They see the other car drive away, which, like, Oversign must have walked past these people. (laughs) 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 You you know? Uh, And QQS is like, well, we should probably go tell Reinhardt everything that happened here. So now we see the end of that meeting, which, like, is it the next day? Is it daytime when they get back there? Because it was nighttime during this. Uh, yeah. That's a fucking long meeting. Uh, and that secretary lady who was keeping Kiriki Ice from uh, talking to 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 his man uh, about this problem comes up and says, hey, Reinhard, Kiriki Ice has called like 20 times. So maybe you should go deal with that. And uh, he goes to, I guess, back to his they headquarters. just to him like with a blank stare. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm making him like wait. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what did I tell you about answering that man's calls? <laughs> um. So they're back at the headquarters. Reinhard comes up, uh, and he's like, "So what? What's going on? What the fuck do y'all want?" I was busy in a meeting that I didn't want to be in, <laughs> and Kikias explains what happened. Anna Rose unharmed. Binamunda did it. Uh, Kikias is like, we should probably just leave it to the Imperial Guards. And Oberstein's like, no, Flagel's behind it. But I don't have any proof. But let me tell you, Flagel's behind (laughs) it. And we get a flashback to the last episode where Flagel was like, I'll get your sister too, too, too. (laughs) Um, And and Reinhardt's like, damn it, Flagel, that motherfucker. Uh, So then we get a a quick little switch to Flagel. his aide is telling him that uh, the men failed and he's like, fuck, we're going to take care of this. I'll have to get my uncle to deal with uh, Bina Munda, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because we do not see Duke Braunschweig here uh, at all. I guess we are seeing the effects in terms of I think you could read this as the the emperor not actually wanting the result that ended up happening here mm-hmm. he's yeah, very yeah. vague in his wording as to what he tells Lichtenlad to do uh so okay anyway 
jumping back, I'll I'll get to I'll say everything that Frederick says. Yeah. Um. So Binamunda Binamunda is being escorted out of her house into a cop car, which just looks like a normal ass cop car. Very interesting. I won't get into it. Uh, by Lichtenlade again. He's the uh, do everything in this empire man. Um, and uh, Lichtenlade then goes to report to Frederick. Um, and Frederick's kind of like, damn, I can't believe Binamunda would do this. Uh, and Lichtenlade, I think, has a pretty good insight here. With this quote, your majesty... Oh, yes, there's another outfit. Shit, I didn't talk about this. <laughs> um, okay, oh, my God. Okay, so... Well, it's in the later scene, too. You could just continue. Yeah, but not with the shoulder stuff. Is this like a big-ass boa? Is that what she's got on on top of this? Or is that like it's a coat? A shawl? It looks like a... Yeah, it looks like okay. a shawl. All of her outfits are very, like, death becomes her. Like, it's just, yeah. just like, I'm attending the funeral of my fourth husband. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me how he died. <laughs> <laughs> Again, okay, is is the brooch on the ascot a thing? Is that a thing that people do? Um. Yeah, wait, wait, how, in that picture, where how he yeah. has it? I think at least back then it might have been a thing. Back then... A thousand years in the future. Well, like Victorian <laughs> yeah, I know, era. I know. I just fucking yeah. with you. I got right. you. I got I you. I mean, basically. <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There we go. Thank you. Right. I feel like Victorian era fashion had that possibly earlier than that also. I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. Then as long as it's okay, I was just bewildered by it on. If the brooch is in the middle part like where your neck is then yes i when you were saying it earlier i I couldn't remember what it looked like and i was like you mean just like randomly pinned somewhere on the scarf like (laughs) well i do think frederick's was a little worse in the beginning because he's the one who had it yeah oh hers though Mm, i don't know about that in the middle there so this is this is frederick's It, it feels strange to me like it's just literally pinned on it, oh, okay, like yeah, lower yeah. than it should be. That was the weird positioning I thought you meant. Yes, that yeah, is odd. That's what I was talking about earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I her... think the positioning on hers now is actually good. It's just, it still felt weird because it's on that. Yeah, it's possible. Anyway. I don't know. His looks fine now, but hers, I don't know. Maybe. Okay, well, anyway, uh, brooch placement aside, um... I I do like her. She's wearing like a deep pink shawl on top of a purple jacket, dark purple jacket on top of a light purple dress. And the light purple dress has a very frilly collar that she then has an ascot on inside of the frilly collar. Even going to cop jail or wherever the fuck uh she obviously doesn't go to jail she goes immediately to this other thing but anyway wherever the fuck she's going uh she is dressed to the nines uh so good for her um so lichtenlad is reporting to frederick uh I, has a line here that i thought was pretty good your majesty's favorite should be thought of as more precious than a mountain of jewels because um that's basically him saying Hey, of course she's fucking jealous. She used to be the Mountain of Jewels, and now this new girl's the Mountain of Jewels. Um, you got to deal with it. Uh, Frederick says we should settle this painlessly, and that's kind of the 
and, and then he also says, I should have dealt with this before now. A still beautiful woman shouldn't be waiting. Uh, so that's kind of what made me think that this, the result that we're about to get is not what Frederick wanted. Um, it sounded like he's like, you know, keep her on house lockdown or whatever, but Hey, she's, she's chill. And maybe, maybe it is him making the decision to kill her. I was kind of uncertain. He obviously hasn't made any decisions at all ever. So definitely didn't look painless. No. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but so I mean, considering that Flagel said he would get his uncle to deal with her, that made me think that, hey, his uncle obviously has a line to Lichtenlade as well. Um, so Frederick saying, hey, I just don't want to deal with this anymore, and then he probably checks out, and then he hears that she dies. He hears the the state line, and he's like, oh no, that's so sad, <laughs> right? Is is the vibe I could see happening, because he's obviously not in control of any of this shit. He doesn't have any agency to do anything (laughs) um but anyway that was my take uh on that stuff so now we get yeah Yeah. uh, go ahead molly Uh, no i think i agree yeah with basically what you said because he i mean i don't think frederick despite being a child rapist is that bad of a guy you know he's (laughs) just (laughs) That's a that's a twenty twenty that's a twenty twenty <laughs> phrase right there. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I mean, I think the sh- I think the perspective of the show is exactly that. I think it's there's a, it's supposed to be like he's a guy who took his sister away, but at the time they're not going to discuss the fact that she was fifteen because the legal age in Japan was fourteen. Um, and but overall, not a bad guy. Not a bad guy. He seemed he did seem like he felt a little bad about it. Um, but you know, should have thought of that earlier, buddy. Yes, he should have, uh, he should not have fucked up and he realizes that. So maybe like definitely his like vibe as he's talking here is one of, I have just committed this lady to get murdered. So in that sense, like he may very well be saying, yes, she needs to be murdered. Sorry. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. But it could also just be like, sorry, I keep hiccuping, general melancholy about like, you know, we don't get much of Frederick's point of view here, right? Like, why did he break up with her? Was it literally just because there was this newer, younger chick? Or, you know, what? like, was it already bad anyway? Um, it's seeing his and Anna Rose's relationship is interesting, too, just because she doesn't fucking talk to him. Right. <laughs> Didn't they say at the beginning that he just became depressed, like, after mm-hmm. he married her or whatever? I viewed that as Flagel lying to B- Binamunda mm-hmm. because of he was trying to fan the flames of her doing some shit. He, he looks kind of sad in that portrait with her. Yeah. He also was pretty yeah. sad with Reinhardt. Was, did he talk to Reinhardt? Was he sad with Reinhardt or was he sad with the uh, his little butler slash ruler of the kingdom guy <laughs> i don't think when he was talking about roses what did you say matt i said i don't think he talked to reinhardt okay no. it, it was no it was like a few episodes he was talking ago. to lick they were like in a when he was in the garden yeah the garden yeah, scene. yeah. and i was like yeah that and lickton lodge like blown away yeah. that he's that 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 uh frederick's like who the fuck cares about this empire it blows and lick lodge's like <gasps> yeah 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 
Exactly. Um, I also do think Frederick's a piece of shit, but that's neither here nor there. Can't argue that, really. He definitely is a piece of shit. That was my 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 2020 phrase was the yeah. sarcastic way of saying that yeah yeah uh, yeah despite being a child rapist he's a good guy <laughs> it was like from an anime made in the 80s perspective is he that bad <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um but yeah it was an interesting it was a very thoughtful statement about the whole situation where he seems to feel remorse because if he had done things differently she prob she probably wouldn't get sentenced to death i don't know who knows like, I, I feel like his vibe is she could totally be exiled and I'll never see her again, but she doesn't have to die, right? Now, again, maybe th- maybe that is their language. Maybe he knows. Maybe he's like, whatever, just make it go away. Yeah. Um, I don't care about the details of how it gets done. I just know I'm never going to see her again. <laughs> um, yeah. I think. I think he knew what was going to happen, but he just wanted to make it as respectable, quote unquote, painless, and then like give her some respect afterwards, like he said. Yeah. And it was definitely not uh, uh, painless or respectable. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. This was really fucking creepy to me, actually. This entire scene, and uh, Alan, you have a note here that this was upsetting yeah, like, to watch. I, I, I had a hard time watching 100% it. 100% agree with this. It was, this was rough mm-hmm. um there's a tent so there's like f- 50 noble dudes standing here including reinhard uh, which the the other marshals are not here so presumably he's here because it was related to uh Anero specifically um but uh so the giant door is open uh licked and standing in the middle um and uh there's like four guards bringing in Vinamunda. And uh, she's like, where's his majesty? Where's his majesty? I need to see him. And Lichtenlaid pulls out a scroll. And he's like, uh, from Frederick's decree, she should be sentenced to death. But due to Frederick's affection, she will be permitted suicide. And Frederick will attend her funeral. <laughs> um, which How, how nice. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, these two... These two aides kind of walk up with a wine glass, which is already laced with poison, presumably. Um, she is like, what the fuck? She begins essentially her death soliloquy, asking why she's being punished. Uh, she was preventing a leech from harming society. She sees Reinhard, walks over and spits in his face. It's like fucking big old glass. Yeah of spit just stuck on his face there he gets visibly pissed Mm -hmm. he wants to choke her right here right now uh but he does not uh lichtenlaad asked her if it was satisfying and then the guards just grab her uh push her down onto her knees uh a third guard holds open her mouth um and they pour the wine in uh, she falls, her hair comes unbraided. This is the only time we've seen it messy. Uh, only time we've seen her messy at all, actually, in this in this entire episode. Uh, we get shots of the nobles' faces here, watching, being like, I can't believe she's so undignified, basically. Um, then she starts whispering to herself about the fact that she just wanted things to be like they were before. 
we get a line of blood out of her mouth and then she kind of like reaches out for her vision of the past and then dies <laughs> it's like fuck we also see reinhardt uh framed against her hand here as she's reaching out uh and then a shot of kind of a doctor coming up and pronouncing her as dead did you mention her trying to like make herself throw up the poison oh yeah, yeah she that did was that the most well. real part for me mm. yeah mm-hmm. and they have to like restrain her arms to yeah. stop her from yeah. doing it yeah it's good sorry I, I did not mention that uh that was yeah it's it's fucked um i i did write it down to be clear i just skipped the sentence <laughs> um yeah this was very hard to watch and alan did you have anything else you wanted to say so here about or? this yeah. i mean like about the actual death scene uh not really i mean like i i have a hard time watching people uh people bite the dust now like unless it's in like some kind of cartoonishly over-the-top fashion Right, and in some ways this was, but it was also too, too real. real. That's yeah. way closer to real yeah. than it is to, to fantasy. Like I can watch like it, yeah. old school Mortal Kombat fatalities, or they right. like or like in the spots. the earlier episode where they had the vibranium axes or whatever, yeah. and they're just yeah, like they're just slicing through dudes. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh okay, okay, but yeah, this is very like this is too personal. Yeah. This this was treated like a play in that. Yes. In a play, she would have had that speech after she took the poison. But in this, it's like she takes the poison and the rest of it is just like actual death from poison <laughs> as opposed to the dramatic like play speech after. Oh, death becomes me. I can feel it encroaching. Like all that nonsense you would get. Right. Um, it's like it's got those vibes, but simultaneously it's way real. She tries to throw it up. It's like she's being forced to not throw it up. She's being held as she's dying. It's fucking. Mm-hmm. She's like begging not to. She uh, it's like rough. it's it's yeah. like watching one of these cop videos. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. not that bad, but yeah. To be fair, she tried to kill Anna Rose. Like let's. <laughs> but it that was, was dramatic trying yeah. to kill you know it, it was, was like an it was an ironic parallel also with the yeah. line yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. ironic it, yeah sure yeah. so it, dramatic irony perhaps yeah yeah it was it was a good like in a play well obviously it's like written for entertainment so it's the same as a play but i mean the name of the episode what is it exit the actress the exits yeah yeah she's the diva right mm-hmm. so in front of the audience of nobles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And Kevin, did you have anything that you wanted to mention here, or no? Not really. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I. What you wrote here, I think, is good. It's the the phrasing of she's being allowed to commit suicide <laughs> rather than being executed. Um, See, and then which later they mention <laughs> like she died of sudden illness. So I think that might be the distinction. Where if she was executed. She'd be publicly dishonored. Right. Yeah. They they said that they kept it all secret when things like sort of unsavory things would happen within the nobility. Right. 
Yeah. But yeah, okay, so moving on from this, uh, Reinhard is walking out of the building and Flagel's there and he's like, oh, hey, hey, Reinhard, fancy seeing you here. He's also wearing some garbage, like, barf green coat. Um, very shitty look. Uh, and he's like, oh, go ahead. And Reinhard walks past. And as Reinhard's walking past, he's like, don't think you'll get away with it next time, fucker. Um <laughs> And Flagel's like, God damn it. He wasn't supposed to know. He wasn't supposed to know. <laughs> um, he doesn't actually say that, but that's the look on his face. Uh, so he steers daggers at Reinhardt's back. Um, and then the the final scene we get here is uh, Reinhardt visiting Anna Rose to let her know that Binamunda committed suicide. Uh, and Anna Rose is like, please forgive Binamunda. And Reinhardt's like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? But I'm with her here to some extent. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, this is the whole thing, right? Like, this is, the noble's life is very different. They have a world of privilege. This is white people who don't recognize their own privilege, right? And they're like, I have problems too. My problems are real problems, which is fair. But the point is... The point is, the commoners in this world are not able to even have these kind of problems, right? The commoners here don't get to change into a couple different $10,000 dresses over the course of one day, <laughs> right? Like, um, uh, but, but, uh, they just again, go die I don't in think space. that takes, go ahead, sorry. They just, they just go die in space. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. They're, sh they're shot into space as these soldiers <laughs> and they die there. Um, I don't think that the fact that she is privileged takes away from the fact that her story is sorrowful, right? Like she was um, the she was playing in the court, the court's rules of, hey, uh, you know, I am a rich noblewoman and I'm going to use my status to get with the fucking emperor the literal emperor <laughs> mm -hmm. and then she's discarded like you know and then still has to like live with his shit basically because she can't defy his orders to move the fuck mm -hmm. out right like mm -hmm. court life is here court life is around the emperor anyway yeah uh, it, it it's i agree with anna rose um i am usually on the more empathetic side of people in general though so uh, that definitely doesn't need to be shared by everyone. And it doesn't make Reinhardt a psychopath that he doesn't agree with Anna Rose. He is a psychopath, yes. but this this yeah. particular thing yeah. is not the reason. Okay, so with that off my chest, um, I wrote down Anna Rose's quote here too. Uh, Everyone, no matter who, feels sorrow, feels pain. Please try to understand her feelings. She must have felt a terrible grief. Um and that's kind of the last line of hers of the episode. Reinhardt's kind of just stuck standing there. And the narrator comes in again, mentioning the decline of the golden bomb, golden, golden bomb dynasty. Uh, and that incidents like this are the result of that decline. And they're usually dealt with secrecy. Um, and the, the quote here is on the same day, Marquise Binamunda's death from a sudden illness was announced. And there's like a really heavy downpour here in front of this, uh, this 
government building. We've got flags being weighed down by the rain as well. Uh, and the, the final shot is just those flags. So very, very kind of depressing vibe here that we end on. I did have some more stuff to say. No, about let's, go, let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, I mean, aside from the Rose of Versailles stuff, I already talked about Madame Dubarry's relationship with Marie Antoinette, like Madame Dubarry being like the mistress of uh, King Louis. And then Marie Antoinette being super scandalized by it and then trying to, like, bring her down socially. Madame Dubarry does, like, like basically stay afloat during all of that. And then, you know, gets tossed aside later and then eventually beheaded. So I'm kind of concerned about Anna Rosa. But aside from that, I also just, like, neither of these people have any real agency in any of these situations. Despite the fact that uh, Benamunda is, like taking a lot of direct actions here so like i don't know anna rose is just like constantly being shit on throughout this entire series despite the fact that she was just picked up as a 15 year old girl everyone's like "Ooh, she like seduced the kaiser (laughs) and it's like did she though um she didn't choose to be with frederick she was basically kidnapped by a talent scout and then sold into sexual slavery so she got the title the wealth and the comfort but it cost her like her freedom so and i don't think that benamunda is like unaware of this even though she's so skeezy about it just like i mean i think that like obviously the aesthetics of actually being the Kaiser's wife unrelated to the fact that she was picked up as a 15 year old mm-hmm. are still there. Yes. And ben- yes. Binamunda still being in the noble circles she, has she, to see this. Yes. I think she thinks, I think Binamunda is like, listen, this is just something that happens. You should be grateful for it. Um, even though you didn't choose this. Um, But all the same, I mean, I think to us from an outside perspective, it's very clear that the actual villain in this is like Friedrich, really, Mm -hmm. with a larger society, you know, taking the blame. Um, Like, but basically, despite all of that, uh, Benamunda actually seems to love Frederick, not just the role, I think. And she basically, because, like, she can't really change society, she can't change Frederick, you can't blame the Kaiser because that's impossible, so she basically has to blame Anna Rose, even though it's very, very clear it's not Anna Rose's fault. So it's, like, really all of the betrayal and the heartbreak and, like, the rage and sort of, like, the privileged, like, meltdown, basically, they don't have anywhere else to go except against Anna Rose, because what, is she gonna, like hate frederick the emperor that's not gonna work she's Um, definitely not in a situation to say i understand that this is society's fault yeah i will rail against society due to that that is like the only people that seem to have that mindset are kirkeis reinhard and oberstein Oberstein. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i feel like she's they're they're put in these particular roles and they have to act within those roles and i think Anna Rose understands that. And I think that's why, like, she forgives her in the end. It's not just about, like, oh, I understand heartache. I think she understands also, like, well, I would hope she understands this and maybe that the writers understand this, despite them not actively saying it. So 
I think Anna Rose gets it, and then I don't think that Reinhardt gets it. I think Reinhardt is just like, oh, my sister is so pure and nice. I don't think he actually understands any common plight of the people. But maybe maybe Kierkegaard would understand. I think Kierkegaard would understand, and that is, again, why I continue to harp on Reinhardt being a psychopath. Because yes. I don't think he has the capability to understand other people mm. i don't mean psychopath as like he's fucking crazy and he'll cut you for no sociopath. reason i mean psychopath sociopath, yeah, yeah sociopath sorry excuse me i mean sociopath in the you know more clinical definition of like he yeah he is unable to think of other people's mindsets here um because he's focused on his very specific world which is anna rose and kirikiais and well, really just Anna Rose. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that she was almost hurt is like everything is focused around that fact, not focused around, hey, even though his main goals are, wow, I think society is fucked and I want it to change. The only reason he thinks that is because Anna Rose was kidnapped by the Kaiser um, then, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If she wasn't picked up, you could see him just living a noble lesser noble in the society right right like he he has a very young ender ender's game vibe when he's a kid of uh i'm gonna beat up the biggest bully and that'll be the way i progress right which is a different vibe than what he ends up with due to anna rose's it, well it's the sim it's the same mindset but it's a, a different level yeah gotta save valentine from peter although he's like ender but like without any of the good parts basically yes. <laughs> yeah yeah so maybe he's peter but... yeah yeah if peter gave a shit about valentine basically mm -hmm. i could yeah. see that you you can see reinhardt dissecting the the dog in the backyard or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. right um yeah well, yeah <laughs> What do they call it? Uh, vivisection? Yeah. yeah. I could see him cutting up a few squirrels. Yeah. You know what I actually think of? Uh, a comparison that I just thought of a couple of seconds ago for Anna Rose? She's Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> so, explain. So, do you guys, yeah, so explain. Do you guys know? How, I don't know what y'all know Anna about Rose. Britney Spears' current situation. Yeah, yeah. She's in a conservatorship. Yeah, something. she's in a conservatorship yeah. against her will, even though she's very clearly competent enough to do residencies in Las Vegas, go on world tours, write award-winning songs, all that good stuff, right? Uh, so it's like been an open secret for years and years and years that she has no freedom. She has talent and agency, and if you're like, you know, see any of her like actual content, like her Instagram posts or her Facebook posts, like where she actually is talking about stuff. She's also incredibly empathetic and, okay, yeah, maybe a little bit crazy, but you would probably be too if you were in that situation. Uh, you know. Free Anna Rose. Exactly. Hashtag. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please, Anna Rose. Um, wow. <laughs> also, they're both blonde. Also, they're both, you know, blondes. They both have, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, some kind of... Apparently, a little attraction by emperors, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. There you yeah. go. You're all right. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I do think that's a legit comparison, to be clear. I, I can see that. Uh, trying yeah. to hate on it just then. Um, 
I, I would say that you could argue similar things about Binamunda too. Binamunda? Binamunda. 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 Binamunda? Binamunda? Something like that. She's dead. Yeah. Don't commit it to memory. She's, She's dead. Never gonna come up again. She's gone. <laughs> she had she had if if it were like if it were a scene in a play, she had like a perfect fantastical death scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Basically. Uh the diva of this episode who is no more. Yes. I I, I really liked this episode also, obviously. We talked about it for quite a while. As per usual. Um, but yeah, Binamunda uh, was a good villain here. And I and I think that like even if we're reading into this more than uh, the author was trying to put in there, yeah. I think that a lot of it strikes true. And, you know, this it's interesting seeing I, I like the take of she can't blame society because of course she can't. She is this society, right? She is the embodiment of this society. Um, There's no way she would think to blame the nobility, her fucking glow stick candles as the problem here, even though in a way they, they embody the problem, right? Mm. Like I can't see fucking poor people with their gold candlestick that has wiring to power these uh, candlestick lights, you know, like, it's just not there. Um, the fact that this emperor is so raised up there, the fact that he is, you know, corrupt, debauchery, dumbass guy. I'm sure he he doesn't care about the specifics of military spending or running of the government spending, right? Which does happen in the next episode, <laughs> speaking of. Um, but, you know, he's there to fucking tend to his rose garden and buy his 15 year olds nice things he's a bad man (laughs) (laughs) um yeah anything else we want to hit on here or have we talked it all to death oh let's let's hear it just i think going through this episode like line by line and image by image just made me like notice some things so i just thought it was interesting that they were uh talking about the decline of Mm. friedrich's reign and it starts with him you know early on the episode descending the staircase all decrepitly and slow like an old man with a cane and then later the end of the episode we see reinhardt ascending the staircase all like badass and majestic Mm -hmm. just thought it was like a nice little symbolic thing of like one rain is ending and another is rising. Yeah. That's very good. I like that That's a lot. Perceptive. Yeah. And he is. He can't even finish one opera. He just has <laughs> to like crawl out. So I think that that crawling he, out of the opera was actually a lot more disgusting. Uh, 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 I got you. Like, it was much less about the I'm old and much more about the hello, 12-year-old, come here. She's 25. She's 25 now. But you got got the vibe from the eyes. Come here. Yeah. 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 But you got the vibe from the eyes that it was, like, more of a we have to go, like, bang rather than Mm -hmm. just, like, I'm out. Take care of business. Okay. 
All right. I mean, presumably, if we... Whether or not he is running a constant harem, right? The whole reason there's a talent scout out looking for 15-year-olds is because he has run a harem. Mm -hmm. And the reason you have a harem is not for conversation. (laughs) Right. Wait, what? That's not what Lovina told me. (laughs) So, so yes, um... I think you you probably have the right vibe there. And, I mean, she is literally wearing, like, a lace collar here, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's symbolism there as well. Um, granted, the other lady's also wearing a collar, so maybe it's just fashion. But, you know, I, I, I think that there's... Whether or not they are saying that in this scene, it's true. <laughs> She's been groomed for the last 10 years. She doesn't have any freedom, as we've been talking mm-hmm. about. And she was bought and paid for in order to be the pretty girl that the emperor got to fuck. Like, that's that's this whole thing. That's what all of these episodes are about. That's what the narrator is telling yeah. us every episode. Yeah. Uh, we've fallen into decline. The emperor is full of debauchery. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, uh, fuck this emperor. He's garbage. Even though these episodes are not framing him as as garbage as he actually is. He's still garbage. He's garbage. Yeah. Well, to be clear, the narrator is framing him as garbage. But then when you <laughs> see him doing anything, he's kind of just like, oh, I'm out of my depth. Oh, well. And that's not shown as like the badness that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I but don't think bad. the narrator actually thinks he's garbage. I think I don't think the show thinks he's garbage. I think that's us in 2020 thinking he's garbage and the yeah. show in 1980 something thinking he's just like a horny man, which is common. And he's horny because he's bored and depressed about the state of the empire. But that's OK. It's not yeah. the ultimate sin. The narrator, yeah, just paints him as useless pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. To some extent, but I would argue that the narrator, every time this comes up, he's like, the Empire has fallen into decline, Mm -hmm. right? He says, uh, you know, it is because of this emperor who ascended to the throne and does not give a fuck. Mm -hmm. I don't... No, no. It doesn't blame it on the new guy. It's it's that he inherited it. He's the end result of a flawed system that... The emperor of the ashes. for too long. He didn't mm-hmm. burn exactly. it down per se. He's just right. It was already on fire, and they put yeah. him in charge. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I think it said like he inherited it. Like when he inherited the throne, it was already in decline, and it showed him having wild parties even before he ascended to the throne. The wild parties were definitely there, but but I took it as the narrator is saying these wild parties are. The reason why Frederick sucks. Ah. Um, I, and y- yes and no. Yes and no. I think yeah. yes, he does suck because of it. But I think like they're saying that the Empire is in decline. He is throwing these libatious parties and everything. But then when you actually get one-on-one conversations with Frederick, he's presented as having like a very like a depth of thoughts on the subject. Yeah, like he's self-aware. Or, you know, those depth of thoughts are also not really relevant. 
because he's a shitty ruler. I, right. I mean, right, it's true. The narrator, I don't think, is making a judgment on it. Yeah. It's more like a yeah. historical saying. perspective yeah. of like, You're this is the right. era where this decline happened. And I'm sh- saying, he was at from, the forefront. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying like he clearly is a piece of shit. But what I'm saying is like the show doesn't think he's a piece of shit. Right. The well, show... well, you, could, you mean the show or the so narrator? So piece of shit is different from causing the decline. I think the show does think he's a piece of shit at being an emperor. Yes. I don't okay. think the show is sure. judging him on the debauchery he has gotten up that's, to. That's, that's all that. that I mean. Yeah. That's all that yeah. I mean. Yeah. I don't think the show yeah. thinks he's a good emperor. But I don't think they're judging him as a man right. being bad, basically, is yeah. what I'm getting. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. necessarily agree with it, but that's right. that's the judgment from the show that I'm getting. It's like a right. history textbook yeah. kind of glossing over yeah. all the rulers that have yeah. taken child brides. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, he right. did all these great things and conquered all these countries. It's like, hey, this is why he was 14, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I expect the show to basically not sanitize him, obviously, but I expect the show to treat him as like a tragic but not terrible person mm-hmm. and just kind of not think about the implications of some of the bad things that he's doing, because at the time they don't have words for it, maybe or they do, but they don't care. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. OK, all right. Well, thank you all, unless there's anything else. Our most in-depth episode. Actually, yeah. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> God, we're at 340, y'all. Was or this I a am, filler episode? <laughs> 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 right. Inserted from later. It doesn't involve the main right. plot line, etc. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the most uneventful episode in terms of like progressing the story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just as a quick teaser, the, the first line I have written for the next episode is, oh God, I fucking hate this dude so much. <laughs> so get excited for, uh, for good boy Fork, whose name is Fork, uh, like the pronged eating utensil. Mm. And next time we'll talk to you about, uh, how he forks it all up, you know? Hey. All right. Hey. You guys asked for this. Uh, (laughs) Goodbye. Thank you, everyone. the going gets blocked, why don't you just call a helicopter? I wish every show had title cards. And I love the way this guy looks. I don't care about his personality. He needs to be on screen all the time. All this and more in the next episode of Galactic History 101.